Well, welcome everybody to episode number eight of the Follow Podcast, an honest and open conversation for anyone actively learning to live like Jesus. We are in the final episode of season two. We made it. Authentic Conversations. We're wrapping it up today based on the One Church TO teaching series, Authenticity. With me today in the studio is Pastor Jessica Collins. Woo-hoo! Glad to be here. I'm Matt Smith. We're both on staff at One Church TO. That's actually where we are right now. And we have been in meetings all day together. Are you all s- day, all week. Yes, basically. but today, like my my first real meeting was with you. Yeah, and this is this is the last conversation I'm having. So, uh, have you had enough of me yet? Yeah, but here I am. So I must <laughs> like you. There we go. Well, it, we have had two seasons of podcasts. Um, let me ask you this: have, Do you feel like we've ran out of things to say yet? You know what? I think we're talking a lot, but I am loving the conversations that are happening. This is like fuel. I'm just enjoying this so much. Love being here. I I did have some moments where I was like, if we if we say too much in the first one, we won't. We have to. Say, it hasn't been like that. No, these conversations have been so fun to be a part of, and uh, I've been so grateful for everyone who's been joining us. Mm-hmm. And you know, we we've had some really encouraging comments from from a lot of different people in. Uh, uh, so we we really appreciate everyone who's been journeying along with us, been a part of this experience, been a part of the conversation, and stick stick through the entire episode because yep. at the end I'm going to tell you about season three. Season so, three is coming. Season three is this coming. This is exciting. So uh, let's talk. Uh, we're we're, we're kind of jumping off your teaching this past weekend, yep. and you mentioned IKEA. IKEA. You like IKEA? Are you a seasoned IKEA builder? <sighs> you know what? I like IKEA because it's cheap. And so, you know, growing up as a college student and then those early 20s, it was furniture that actually looked good and you could afford. So we have quite a collection of Ikea furniture in our house now. Yeah, we have have quite a bit of Ikea too. What's the best piece of Ikea furniture you've ever had? Because there's a piece that I know I just buy it over and over and over. Do you have anything like that or something that you just love from Ikea? Uh, My wife found this lamp that's really nice. It's so nice. It doesn't look like it's from Ikea. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> yeah. And what color is it? Uh, it's it's got a marble base and a wood, a nice wood thing, and then a white shade with another like clear glass shade around it. It's really nice. cool. That doesn't sound like IKEA either. Yeah, it's, it's really, really nice. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, the piece that I keep going, but mine's really practical. You can tell the difference between us right yeah. here. Uh, you know what I like? Those bookshelves that go on the wall for kids' books. Oh. Do you know what oh, I'm yeah, talking yeah, about? Yeah, like, yeah. You can just, my kids have so many of them I on their I shelves. I knew the name right They're now. They're full Look of books. The best names. You should purchase one. Though That's okay. been the, the best thing that we purchased. But the best purchase that I've ever had at Ikea, that um, like a steal of a deal. I don't know yeah, if you've had one the, of those. Yeah, like the, the, the returns In area? the return section. Yeah, yeah. But this wasn't. This was a $29 um, patio umbrella that we purchased our first year of marriage and we still have now and use it at the beach every year. 29 wow. bucks. So you can't beat Ikea. That's crazy. We were talking about... Uh, patio umbrellas, and I was like, you never know where to store it. They always fall apart. They're in the sun. They die. So maybe I, you, maybe I should look at it again. Look at IKEA. There I like IKEA because it's like adult Lego. Yes. Yeah. If if you know how to build Lego. If you don't, <laughs> you're not you going to like IKEA. You mean if you know how to follow instructions? Yes. Okay, yes. We'll, we'll leave it at that. So your teaching this past weekend was under the title, Better Decisions. Mm-hmm. And uh, I talked to a bunch of people right after the teaching and I felt like everyone was like, yeah, huh? Yeah, huh? Like, uh, I need to make better decisions. We've all made dumb choices before. <laughs> I know I have. Yeah. Uh, so check that out if you haven't already. And even we've got a, a shorter shareable teach that uh, that you did too. That was a good summary and had 
it was really good. So you can check that out. Uh, you had a book recommendation mm-hmm. that it's, we're going to just reference this. Uh, uh, it's a, a book by a pastor and uh, author in the States, Andy Stanley, mm-hmm. Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets. And a lot of our leadership around here read through this book. And uh, it is fantastic, really practical. Really so. easy to read too, like really quick. Yeah, so we'd re- wholeheartedly recommend you uh, picking a, a copy of that. And we had a lot of questions about that. So if you were wondering what book that was, uh, by the way, uh, you you mentioned you, you've you been going through some physio for plantar fasciitis. Yeah, honestly, How's that going? Matt, it's So I, I went there this week. Yeah. And so now I get to go there weekly. And that's really exciting because of one bad decision of wearing a terrible pair of shoes. Anyways. Uh, and you know what's interesting? So many people have come up to me since Sunday being like, I struggled with that as well because really? I wore a pair of shoes and very similar story. So wow. let's learn from each other's mistakes and not do that. Uh, interesting though, the physiotherapist said something to me this week. So I was asking him, I was telling him that I had talked about him during my teaching. And I said to him, how long, like how long is it going to take before I start to feel better? And he said, I thought it was so profound. He said, well, it depends how long you've been walking on it untreated and making bad decisions and not to come see me in the office. And so I thankfully had only done it for a month, but he said he has patients that haven't come in for years. And then they come in with so much built up scar tissue. And I thought, what, what an example to us. There's always a time where we can stop making bad decisions and just change it around. But the longer we make those bad decisions, the more and more pain and damage that we do and the harder it is to come back. So there you go. So there's like a mini sermonette there. There's re- a mini sermonette. Don't and, wear bad shoes. <laughs> yeah, don't wear bad shoes and uh, don't wait to get healthy. Don't wait to get healthy. Uh, speaking of that, uh, you you had a really good conversation uh, or well, we're, we're going to have, just so you know, we're going to have a really good conversation okay. right now based on uh, you talking about uh, when Paul, you were referencing, uh, was it Colossians, yep. right? Uh, how he's writing to to the church The, the there. Ephesus, Ephesus church. Okay. He's writing to the Ephesians. There you go. And uh, he he was writing about how drunkenness or getting drunk yep. uh, wasn't good. And he, he contrasted with the, uh, being filled with the Spirit. Let's talk about filled with the Spirit in a bit. Okay. But let's talk about drunkenness now. Or I, I love how you related it to numbness uh, and, and numbing yeah. a, 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 an act or decision of numbing. And... Um, Obviously, you mentioned it. Uh, I went back and double checked, and you you mentioned there's a lot of ways mm-hmm. that you can numb yourself, uh, but we you didn't mention any of them. So I was like, well, that's a, a good conversation because I think sometimes if we read someone talking about getting drunk, mm-hmm. we're like, well, I don't drink, so I'm good. But I'm I'm so glad that you pulled that back one layer and talked about numbness because if I'm honest, I I, I exhibit behaviors of numbing yes. <laughs> at times. I, is that something that you ever have to to work work on? I think we all do to some extent. I think there's all um, ways that we all cope with the difficult pieces of life and we try and numb ourselves to not have to deal with them, whether that's procrastination, yeah, whether that's uh-huh. drinking to kind of yeah. get, get out of it, Escape. whether that's pulling away from family members and friends, whether that's escapism, mm. whatever those things are. I think we all um, practice this. We're all humans. We don't want to deal with the difficult things. It's easier to escape from them. Or when life gets busy, I don't know if you ever feel that life is busy and overwhelming yeah. and it's just too much that we start to numb ourselves and just kind mm. of go through life not even thinking about what we're doing. And and I think this is something that's really been eye-opening to me. 
sometimes good behaviors can be numbing behaviors mm. and that makes them bad behaviors. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, spending time with friends can be great, but if you're avoiding stuff and you're spending time with friends, that's a bad thing. Working can be great, yes. but if you're avoiding things at home by just like going headlong into work, yeah. that's a numbing behavior. So how do we how do we discern like when that's Good. crossed over for us? Because sometimes it's not as black and white as we'd like to think it is. Yeah, I, th- I think it has to do with balance. I think, so you can go either way, right? You could go too much into your career and work and become a workaholic and forget what's going on at home and not spending time at home. You could also spend so much time on home and focused on home that you're not going out and taking care of things that you need to because you're so focused at home. Um, someone said to me recently, and it's, it's stuck with me, this idea that like often we have a hard time living in the present. We're either thinking of the past we're thinking of yes. the present and that can be a, or the, the past future. or the future, yeah. that can be a numbing yeah. mechanism. Like I'm just going to constantly be planning for the, the future, concerned about the future and not living in the present, what's happening right now. Or my eyes are so turned to the past that I'm not dealing with what's going on right here. Right. And it, like uh, that plays on a theme that I feel is coming up a lot right now. Fear and worry. Mm. Uh, is that tie into numbness as well? Like yeah. are, are they related? I think it can go both ways. I think you can numb yourself by being so hyper um, interested in like all that fear and worry and, and getting yourself all murky down in there. Or I can be fearful and worried about the future. So I'm not going to deal with it. I'm not going to make any choices in regards to right. it. I'm going to numb myself and pretend it doesn't <clears throat> exist. La, 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 yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, that's really interesting. Okay. So what about you? What are some things that you do when you're feeling numb? Yeah, I was just about to go there. You beat okay. me to it. So um, I, I know in, in seasons where, where you, you know, the tape loop is just going on and you're overanalyzing things. You're, you're wondering about what should I do about this? I know when I'm starting to get unhealthy mm. because that, I, that literally starts to keep me up at night. I sleep pretty good usually. And so when I have trouble falling Lucky. asleep, yeah, I know. And everyone's going to hate me. <laughs> There's so many people struggle with sleep. It's crazy. Anyway, so um, when, I, when I find that I'm having a hard time going to sleep because my brain is still like fully on. Yeah. Um, in desperation, I've, I, I, and at some points I would like put on a podcast or something, just someone just talking, white noise almost. Cut noise. And it would, it would like shortcut my brain instead of thinking about the stuff I was looping on. Mm. I would be thinking about whatever they're talking about and that would help me fall asleep. But I, then I realized I started like relying on that in some seasons because I didn't want to think. It wasn't just that it was just helping me go to sleep. I was actually avoiding my thoughts because I was, um, uh, yeah, I, because I didn't, I didn't want to go there. I was, it was a numbing thing for me. They caused me stress and anxiety. Mm. And so to avoid them instead of figuring out, sitting down, prayerfully coming up with a plan to deal with them, I was avoiding them by just putting on something so my my brain would be distracted. Yeah. That's that's the easiest one for me. And I know now that too. I know when I go to my about. podcast or or watch YouTube too much or what like those those are symptoms for me that I, I watch out for. How about you? Yeah, I think I do a lot of things. I think one of the things I probably do the most is I pull back. So instead of engaging uh, with whatever's going on in the present, I'll pull back and I'll work. I have a tendency to work. I like to work. And so when I'm stressed or 
when too much is going on, I will just turn to work as opposed to healthier habits that would be getting outside, closing the laptop, turning off some of those soundtracks. I'll immerse myself and I'll notice, oh, Jessica, you're numbing yourself to everything else going on Mm. by hyper-focusing on just minimal tasks, work-wise, pulling out the laptop when when I should be getting out more. Is that like a dopamine thing? Like Totally. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And dopamine, I think, plays into it, right? Yeah. Because when we go numb, sometimes we, we alcohol is very similar, right? Like right. we get, we get a hit yeah. and we feel better. Long-term, yeah. it doesn't help us. But in the short term, those dopamines do numb us a bit and right. allow us to get a hit and then, but we need it quickly after, right? As opposed to just dealing with what we're going on head face and, and yeah. moving on from it. Is there anything that you found helpful? If you're feeling that you're in seasons of numbness. Yeah. Sabbath. So if I'm practicing Sabbath, I feel like I'm more present with Mm. my real life, if that makes sense. I'm more present in what's actually happening in my real life as opposed to I can get really, really fast in things when I'm busy seasons or in seasons when I don't want to think and go numb. I just get really, really busy so that I don't have enough time to be thinking Mm. through things. Slowing down, taking Sabbath, and then letting the spirit speak and, and God spending time with God, that's a practice that helps, but it's harder in those seasons to get to. I, I can't wait to have conversations about that. Uh, that's on the long list is, is maybe having some conversations about practices that we, mm. we have in our lives that have really helped us. Uh, we don't have time for that today, but, uh, but that's, that's really good. Yeah. Yeah. We'll go down there later. Yes. Um, okay, you may mention this this weekend, uh, redeem your time. Uh, this was one of the main points that you had, mm-hmm. making the most of the time you're in. And and I loved how you, you Bible nerded on the word time. I was like, yay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I knew you would like that. <laughs> uh, and, and help me if I'm wrong. My paraphrase of that would be, it's not just the, the, the how much time you spend on something, but it's the, the current like what? What is the era we're in? Yeah. What is the milieu? Milieu. <laughs> we I don't know. If, I don't even know if I'm using that right. It's just a word that. What we're, does milieu mean? I I think I think I just I've heard it used as like the current era, like the the time. The there's another word that I'm I'm not I'm not not coming to brain right now, but um, it's like the water we swim in that we don't Ooh. even realize. That, I like that. That we're we're in the culture. Okay. You know, like the, yep. the it feels normal to mm-hmm. us. And um, that is the word of time that Paul is actually right. using. Yeah. He's saying there's a season of opportunity in your life and it, it can float by. Right. It can pass by yeah. if you don't and you will miss it. Yeah. And or or maybe even sometimes you tell me if I'm reading too much into this. Sometimes we can be so in, just like a fish in water mm-hmm. that we don't realize we're in water. Like we don't even take time to take stock of why do we do this this way? What is the what is the era we're in? What is the opportunity that we have right now? How is this different from my parents' generation? Or, or what is God doing specifically now that I could partner with, as opposed to try and recreate something He did uh, in a different era or something using the same tools, yeah. using the same approach that a different era was was speaking to a totally different culture? We can't interact with our world the way Paul was acting. No. With Ephesus and the the two years he spent there, right? So, am I yeah. using that right? Yeah, like that idea. Like, why is God opening the opportunity, the window of opportunity now? There's a reason why He's opened it. 
for yeah. me in this life or in the, in our generation or at this season of my life. For some reason, he's opened it, kind of jumping into that idea of why why is this open to me right now? Right. Seize so, it. So, okay. So we're talking about the same thing. Same thing. Now, what, what do you see as the current era, the current time that we live in, the times mm. that we live in? Okay, yeah. And uh, what do you think is unique about that? And as, as followers of Jesus, what is the opportunity that's in front of us right now? Are we are we at sometimes missing or blind to something that is sitting right in front of us and we're like wishing it was a different thing? I hear a lot of Christians yeah. talking about how it's not as good as it used to be. Is that really true? It's a good question, Matt. Um, I think of two things. The first thing I think of is I think we are in such a season of opportunity right now. What generation are you a part of? Uh, a millennial. Millennial. Are we talking about yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm a millennial I'm a, too. I'm We're older. right at the like yeah. the top end. I'm grateful. Barely even, <laughs> but we are. We we sit on that little cusp. Yeah, so yeah. I it's I think that this generation that's coming after us, so that me and you were not included in our yeah. generation was more. I don't know if you'd agree with this, but um, growing up in the church, we were told what to believe, and we believed it. We had a few questions, but. For the most part, we we did accept what was told to us, what was taught to us. This next generation, I'm so excited about that's coming behind us because they are um, they are committed to living an authentic life, like I've never seen before. And there's this desire in them, um, Christians and non Christians, followers of Jesus, and people who would not identify with that, to do um, good things with their life, to, right? To have a life that matters, to have a life that matters with yeah. purpose and yeah. with direction. And so, there's such a sense inside this generation that we we want to do good because it's the right thing to do. And so, I that gets me really excited. I see this window of opportunity not just for young adults who would call themselves followers of Jesus right now, but young adults as a whole who are very open to the ways of Jesus, even if they might not know these are the ways of Jesus. We know that the ways of Jesus were to be gracious and humble and um, to speak up for those who needed a voice and to step into situations that he could and lend his voice and prop up people. Mm -hmm. I see that in this next generation coming after behind us, and I'm so excited about it. I'm excited that they want to live a life that's authentic, that the things that they say and the way that they live their life, they are committed to seeing them integrated and lined up in a fact that they're the same. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think our generation, I think our generation has moved there, but I don't think we sat there when we were their age. And right. I think it's very exciting to see them rise up and see what God's going to do in this generation. So if, if, if you can let me go back to the millennials yeah. for a second and say, so the pitfall for the millennials, if I'm reading this from your, your point of view right, if we just believed everything we said, at one point, that probably crumbled. Like I saw it in a lot of friendships yes. where, where then their framework didn't have much foundation. And when they encountered a better sounding framework, they were they easily jettisoned Jump ship. their heritage because there was not much to it. It was pretty flimsy. So uh, for this generation, you're saying because they've deeply, thoroughly questioned it, mm-hmm. It has probably and believe it, right? I think they believe it. They right. believe that Jesus said that, and we should do what Jesus said, right? Well, that what that's a foundation. Exciting. Okay, so it's tough to say, and I, not that I want to be a negasaur, but yeah. Uh, so if the, if we had a pitfall for our generation, is there any concerns you'd have for mm-hmm. the generation that is like gung ho, all in, bought in? Is there any like just like 
caution yeah, advice? Yeah, no. I, I, the only thing, I, not even a pitfall or caution, I would encourage them to make sure that they um, take all they can from the generations that have passed before mm-hmm. them because there is such legacy in the ways that generations before us have lived. Um, I know I was in a conversation a few weeks ago talking about um, how generations of followers of Jesus before us knew how to sacrifice and give of their lives in a way that that our generation just isn't built into. Yeah. This idea <laughs> yeah. that I'll, I'll give 10% of my income to God and let him use what he wants to do with it at the at, in a church, but I'm not going to go and mortgage my house. I'm not going to go fi- right. 50% of my income. Like that, right. our generation wasn't bought brought up on that, but past generations, there's incredible value that they can bring to the table and perspective, and they've lived solid faith and had deep, deep roots that we can learn from. So that would be my only um, encouragement as this next generation behind us goes after Jesus and lives these authentic, deeply integrated lives, also invite the older generations to come and bring a depth and uh, wisdom and perspective. Uh, that can even propel them further than they can go on their own. Okay, I'm, I'm going to say your favorite words right now. I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. <laughs> I hate being put on the spot. <laughs> well, okay, caveat, caveat announced. The, 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 and if you want to come back to it another time, that's fine. But like, I, I was actually thinking about it this morning, as it, even as I was thinking about this podcast. Uh, finances are really interesting. Mm. Are they not like, Jesus talked about money a lot. I'm not really comfortable talking about money, especially because money has been handled so poorly so often by Christians. Yeah. Uh, or these people who say they're Christians uh, publicly, right? Um, think of televangelist type Ugh. picture in Ugh, your mind, I'm thinking, right? thinking, yeah. Yeah. So that aside, trying to think positive okay. about finances, it, it's, it, is so, it is so helpful to think of your finances as a bit of a, uh, like a dipstick on the engine, like how you handle your money tells a lot of what's going on inside. Um, and I would say that I, from what I've heard about this next generation, they're handling their finances completely different from our generation. Our generation is very hedonistic, like very much uh, like bought into whatever, like lifestyle choices yes. that can make me feel comfort. Mm-hmm. Materialism. Uh, right. Uh, and it feels like that might be switching too. Anyway, I, we're not yeah. we're not sociologists no, no, at yeah. all, but I'm just curious about that because that sounds like a. Uh, I'm wondering if those two are connected, um, because I think finances can be a huge symptom of what's going on inside uh, how we handle our money. Absolutely, I know for me it is a hundred percent. I make bad choices with money when I'm in a bad place, right? Like, well, there's the saying that goes, "Don't make any financial decisions." If you're in a bad season of life, like, or if you're in a difficult season of life, right. don't make don't make any decisions in general, but specifically yeah. financial decisions because right. we don't have that perspective. Or, right. Um, it's such an interesting question. I don't know, Matt. I know that the generation before us yeah. were savers, right? And they saved really, really and well, and invested really, the, really well. The war and some of the, the yes. tough times economically before that and everything. Our generation seems to be spenders. Yeah. Uh, we have no problem blowing money and a harder time saving money. It'll be interesting to see what happens in 30, 40 years. Yeah. Um, oh, when we start <laughs> with to try our to retire. When we try to, oh, my goodness. And my hope is that the generations that follow us 
that they would glean the wisdom of past generations, maybe not our generation. I don't know about you though, Matt, that's something the Lord has worked on me in the last 10, 15 years, this idea that my entire life is to be stewarded. So my time is to be stewarded. My uh, relationships are to be stewarded and my finances. That seems to be the hardest one sometimes to let go of and trust God with that it's all from him. Like he, right. he gives me the abilities to go and make money. I should honor him in every way that I can with every part of my life. Now, now I, I want to make it clear, like one area is not like a bigger sin or bigger no. pitfall than another. So for me, finances has always been more of a symptom. Not, it's not as huge of a drop. I'm, I said this before here. I'm a bit of a punk rocker. So for me, it's like dirty and gritty is fine. Like I'm, I'm cool with that. And if it gets too fancy, I kind of like, yeah, I'm better. <laughs> like I can have a chip on my shoulder, which isn't always good anyway. Yeah. Uh, but there's tons, tons of other things that I, I deal with. I just think that, that, that the way I handle my finances often tell me, and even going back to the numbing thing. Yeah. Sometimes the way I handle my money can be, uh, a bit of a signal to myself. Like if I if I'm being a little careless with my money, it's usually because I'm trying to fight something, mm-hmm. have more control, or when I feel like I don't have control, or uh, even with my kids, sometimes I can use money if I'm not careful to try and like not buy their love. It's not straight yeah. straight out like that, but like uh, pay off your guilt, maybe, maybe, right? Yeah. So. That was a total bunny trail. Yeah. But you it, know what? To answer your question, though, because I want to answer it, I think our generation was motivated by money and is. Yeah. I don't, I think you're right a little bit that the next generation behind us, they're not motivated by money. Money is not what's going to cra- grasp their hearts. It's going to be um, having a real life that has incredible value and is actually invested into things that they're very interested right. in. Yeah. So my ca- my caution to them would be. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm gonna. I I wish I looked it up before. One of my favorite Bible verses is "Make your life's work a, a quiet occupation, mm. with working with your hands and living a good life in front of other people." And I, I'm totally butchering that, but that is one of my favorite passages because um, it takes the pressure off of us becoming something amazing yeah. and being faithful. And that's actually something I had to deal with, probably more so than the money side. It was like, uh, am, am I special? You know, like yeah. that's, I wanted to be, be special. Be okay living a quiet life. Exactly. That idea. Exactly. And so from my perspective, I think I've had to do- deal with some of that junk in my own life where I've wanted to be not like a superstar or famous or something, but I wanted my life to matter so much yeah. that it almost didn't matter if, if God wanted me to do something. I, w- I wanted to do, I was almost excusing collecting attention for myself for the sake of of God saying I'm well I'm, I work at a church so if I get famous for working at a church then it's for God. Yeah. But it, some of my motivation wasn't pure in those moments mm-hmm. where it was like am I getting attention for this or is God you know what I mean like I've had to deal with some of that junk for myself. Yes, same. And uh on it, it's easier to say it like that but I think the flip side is when you don't amount to anything that's great. That's humility. That's a life that doesn't need to be noticed. And if you if you're trying to make your life about something that matters, then you 
you might not be thinking about money, but you maybe you're thinking about getting recognition. Mm-hmm. And if you don't get that recognition from your life, if no one ever says, wow, you mean so much to me. You did so much. You sacrificed so much. What you did mattered. You might not ever hear that in the way that you're seeking for it. And, Absolutely. And uh, so that to, to not be devastated if that doesn't come. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's the only thing. I don't know if yeah, that resonates no, it with does. you at all. In Matthew, it talks about like you can either do things in secret and like allow the Lord, allow God to use it or flaunt it for everyone to see and there's your reward. Yeah, your reward is in full in that moment. Yeah. If you really get, if you really want your reward now, you can have it. Yeah. But who knows what you're missing out on in terms of what the deeper value would be. And there's something beautiful about living a quiet life, like just being content with the life that God has given you and allowing him to just use you without that recognition. If you can get yourself to that point, it's hard to get there, but there is an incredible weight that lifts off your shoulders as he just gets to use you. I I have this little idea in my mind that I keep keep choosing faithfulness. Mm. I keep choosing faithfulness and let God worry about the, the the like the the big time results yeah you know what I mean it's good where the chips fall they fall but I, my role is to be faithful not to make outcomes happen yeah it's hard I keep reminding myself because I need to remind myself okay uh, let's let's turn a corner um uh, we are a Pentecostal church yeah and so we talk about the Holy Spirit a lot and for good reason uh, I'm glad we do yeah uh, I'm I'm of fully leaning in on the Holy Spirit and what he does for us. And you mentioned something. I, mem- I mentioned we would come here and talk about what the Holy Spirit does. Yep. Uh, in contrast, you contrasted it to numbing behaviors. And you talked about instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you provided a list here of what the Holy Spirit does to uh, when, when we're filled. Yeah. Sweet. Look, look, look at, that. at that. Right there. How did that magic Our happen? Our production team is unreal. Wow. <laughs> So I, I want I want to, um, yeah I want maybe if you could do a thirty second overview of these. Yep. But just as a launching board to talk about how have you experienced the Holy Spirit like this? This is this is something that, um, I I think for followers of Jesus, especially if you're newer on the journey or newer to the Holy Spirit, some of this feels so mystical. Yeah. That, how does this work out in a real life? Right. Well, we all we have one of two tendencies on the mystic stuff. Yeah, we either gobble it up and we like overdose and we go wacky on one side, or we find it uncomfortable. Don't and pay attention so we to it. it. And I would probably fall more in that second category. And I've been trying to pull myself to be more open to what is the Holy Spirit. What is that supernatural work that happens beyond my understanding? And mm-hmm. that there is a spiritual realm and it exists. And we're we have some way of connecting to it and interacting with it, that to me feels like so like, (laughs) I don't. I'll numb myself now. (laughs) Yeah. Like, well, I I, I guess maybe my controlling tendency is it's out of my control so much. Anyway, let's start with you just talking about this. Yeah, let's start with that. So what I did here was, it's interesting what Paul says. He says, don't be drunk on wine uh, because that, that leads to you not ever making any great decisions. But instead be spirit filled. And so he's pushing at this idea that there's, you can either choose to be numb with your life and not pay attention to what's going on, or you can invite the spirit into your life and he can help you as you navigate things. So, um, the cool thing, I love the Holy spirit in like, sometimes you're right. We make him all so weird and like he's unaccessible or else it's so weird that like weird. Uh, but the, (laughs) the reason that 
he was sent that Jesus says, Jesus said, I'm, I'm going to go back to heaven. I'm not going to leave you alone though. Cause they're all terrified, right? Like Jesus yeah. has lived with them for three years. Like he spent all their time with them. Now he's gone. They're like, yeah. what are we going to do? How are we going to possibly follow Jesus if he's not physically with us? And Jesus says, it's okay. I'm going to send the Holy spirit and he's actually going to help you to follow me. And he's going to make you more like me. And so what I did was I went to the Bible. And I'm like, what does the Holy Spirit even do? Like, what is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? Why did Jesus say he was going to send the Holy Spirit? Why did God send the Holy Spirit? Why is the Holy Spirit still here? So um, the Bible talks about that he prepares us. I don't know what's going to happen in my life. Like, I don't know about you. Right. I do not have a magic ball. I don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. I don't know in a couple of weeks what's going to happen. I don't know years down the road. I'm somebody who loves control. So I'd love to know. I'd love to plan it all out. But the reality is, in life, we just don't have those controls, right? We can't. Yeah. We you never know when Matt's going to ask you a question. I don't know when Matt's <laughs> going to ask me a question that I don't want to answer on air. So this is the thing. The, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit prepares us for things that we don't know are coming. Yeah. Uh, because what a gift. What a gift that he can give to us to prepare us. So when we step into a season or we step into a situation, he's already done work inside of me that I'm prepared to handle that situation. So he prepares us. He guides us. This this speaks to the idea of making decisions. Like we just need to get okay with the fact that we are humans and we do not know everything. Like I don't care if you are the smartest person in the world, we don't know everything. I can't possibly know every scenario and every bit of detail that's happening behind the scenes. The Bible tells us that God does, that he's yeah. omniscient. He knows everything. Right. And so he can guide us towards decisions that are good for us. Um that will help us out in the end. The Bible says he will do that. The Holy Spirit will bring knowledge and he does it a whole bunch of different ways. He brings people into our lives that can speak wisdom into our lives. He he does it in all different ways, but he can guide us. Um, the third one is this idea of sanctification, such a Christian. It's a very fancy word. Fancy word. All it means is it makes you like Jesus. It's basically how you live the Jesus way, how you follow Jesus. Right. Um, but it's it goes beyond actions because you and I, we can do good things. Like we can follow Jesus and do yeah. what he did. Well, we were um, talking about this morning that there's plenty of people who look more like Jesus than some Christians. Absolutely. I have friends who are not Christians who they look more like Jesus than followers of Jesus. In terms of, their, Jesus. Actions, In right? of yeah. their actions, what they give their lives to. You can do actions that make you look like Jesus, and those are fantastic. The Holy Spirit's work, though, is actually to change the insides of me so that the inside of me looks more like Jesus, so that I'm more, all those fruits of the Spirit we talk about, gentleness, kindness, self-control, patience, all those things that I lack, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit can grow those in me as I walk through different seasons and situations. If if I'm like open, if I'm like, okay, I hate that I'm walking through this season, don't like it at all, but Holy Spirit, if you want to do something in my life, like if you want to make me more patient or if for some reason you want me to practice self-control so I'll get better at it, that's what sanctification is. It's changing stuff inside of me. Can I uh, just Bible nerd out yeah. for one moment? So uh, an image that's really, really strong in the Bible, especially in the Older Testament, is the harden your heart oh, yeah. uh, imagery. And uh, I think it's in Deuteronomy where, where uh, Moses gives his final speech before he yep. dies. And he talks about one day you will trade your heart of stone for a heart of flesh. Mm -hmm. And this is promise of what the Holy Spirit is doing in us. So good, Matt. We are living in the time where our hearts of stone are being made to hearts of flesh. So if, you're, if you <laughs> want a Bible nerd out on that, when you're reading the Bible, anytime you see like when Pharaoh hardened his heart or mm -hmm. was hardened his heart, that's like anti-sanctification. 
Uh, That's but, saying no to the Holy Spirit. Exactly. You don't. You can't have this. Right. Exactly. Or closing a door to the room, as yep. you you were saying on the weekend. But whenever you see that, like, softens their heart uh, idea or heart of flesh, uh, it's in a lot of the poetry. It's it's an image towards that surrendered. Yes. And and I love that how that's like that's a uh, a heart that's beating and it's full of life. Mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry, that's it, a Bible nerd moment. David is one of my favorite characters in the Bible, and for that reason, because you have King Saul and you have King David. Both make epic failure decisions. King yeah. David, I'd argue, probably made worse decisions than Saul right. in the long yeah, run. Yeah, yeah, it sure looks like it from a moral standpoint. From a right? moral standpoint. But here's the thing. The Bible says that through each decision and situation, Saul's heart became harder and harder and harder yeah. so that the Holy Spirit couldn't do anything with it. Yeah. Uh, but David, on the other hand, who makes epic, terrible decisions, the Bible says that he kept his heart soft. The Holy Spirit was able to sanctify it and change it. Yeah. He was not perfect. He was far from perfect, but the Holy Spirit was able to work on his life. That's exactly what the Holy Spirit does to us. We either decide he's going to have access to rooms in my life and change them, or he's not. Either my heart is soft or it's hard. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. I just want to interrupt just because that's that was it's so it good. Was dangling yeah. out there. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's to, good. It's it. good. Um, and positions you. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit. He prepares us, he guides us, he sanctifies us for a reason because he wants to use us. So this is the cool thing about being a follower of Jesus. Uh, God's doing work all in our world. Like he's working in my neighbor's life. He's working in my kids' teachers' lives. He's working in my friends' lives. And he, because I'm a follower of Jesus, he says, hey, do you want to participate in this work? Like, do you want to partner with me as I change a life? And if we're soft or if our heart is soft and he's changing things inside of me, he invites us into other people's lives, positions us to actually be used by him. Um, but again, it's it's up to us if we want to do that. That's that's so good. And everything you're talking about, I feel like even as you're saying it, the way you're describing it, the words you're choosing to use, and obviously your own passion in it, uh, it's such an invitational mm. type of uh, uh, expectation of what the Holy Spirit is doing. We're, we get to be a part of what he's doing. We We get to... As opposed to like, uh, like when I when I've heard of sanctification or some of this stuff in the past, I've heard of it as like giving up stuff, yeah, like missing out on stuff, and uh, I don't think that's very compelling in terms of when you're contrasting a life that I get to make the choices in, or the life where I'm surrendered, all the rooms of my heart are surrendered. Um, so many times we've thought about like, I can have all this stuff that I want. Or I can have nothing. <laughs> and it's yep. not that type of trade, right? No. I, I would switch it and say, it might look like you get all this stuff. Really, that's a very empty life. Or you can have everything. Right. But it, it's your decision. You, you, can, you can be prepared and guided and sanctified in position so you don't have to do this life on your own. You get to partner with the Holy Spirit and he gets to help you and he gets to like release you. Or else he's completely locked out. It's almost like an old abandoned house. You know what I'm talking about with all the the doors and windows boarded up? You feel like you're free because you're in control. Nobody can get in. It's it's all yours. But really, there's there's nothing happening. Yeah, yeah. What's the point of being uh, the proud owner of a a dilapidated house? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Where you have all the control over something that's not worth being in. There's no life in it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a good image. I yeah. like that. Okay. So you you talked about positions yeah. and you mentioned some of the ways you're personally being 
positioned as a mom in a community with yep. people that you're you're doing life with. What it, why don't you choose one and I'll choose one? Just like something that you feel like you've experienced the Holy Spirit preparing you, guiding you, uh, sanctifying you, positioning you. Maybe is there anything that comes to mind where you've seen that? Do you it, have something in mind? I I'm I will. <laughs> so you need some time to think about it. No, okay. Well, if you have one, you go first. But I can I can think of multiple. You go first. Multiple times. Let me think about it. You go first. Um. Yeah, I I think I think when you when you were talking about prepare, um, it was interesting how some of the uh, the things that you were saying uh, about what how God prepares you, how He knows everything, how He's omniscient. Um, we don't often say that that's what the Holy Spirit is like he we often talk about the father with those types of terms right but of course there's this mystery of the trinity that we're talking about here yeah so of course the holy spirit knows everything um but i i think he the the circumstances that he's led me through um this this is probably and i'm trying i i i might be able to come up with something specific in a minute but uh the the tough decisions that i faced when i yield to the holy Mm -hmm. spirit he prepares me for them uh, and prepares me for my future in them. Like the decisions I make in the tough times that I, I come back to this all the time, the considerate pure joy moments where we're in full on suffering and we have, we say, oh, wow, I have a new opportunity to surrender and see how on earth is God going to use this? Yeah. Uh, those are moments I think, especially with, with my wife and I in, in seasons we've been like, we, but really, really quickly, 2017, uh, we went through like a series of like unfortunate events, Ugh. like back to back to back to back. Uh, We've all been there. Car crash, bed bugs. Like oh, it was like that. Oh man! It was, and it was like at the same time. It mm. wasn't even like like uh, anyway. So we we were like we felt like so out of our. We were out of energy, out of, out of our home, out of every, out of our car. Like we were mm-hmm. out of. And we were new parents too. And so we were just, we were at, at our end. And I remember just briefly in that being like, oh man, um, Margaret, I think we have an opportunity in this moment. Like I, I don't want to miss it. This is like tragic enough to go into our future and not have learned whatever whatever the Holy Spirit is trying to prepare us for yeah. through this season. I would feel like the regret would be so huge because this feels enormous. And uh, so that was just like a little like baby faith prayer that we had in that moment, and uh, I, I, I it's amazing how many times we reference that now when we're facing tough times or when we're facing a situation with someone else who's in tough times. Mm-hmm. We draw on that moment so much. Yeah, so good. I know I've experienced that over and over. Like those situations where you're either gonna let God use it yes. or you're not, and if you do. Man, it's so exciting on the other end to see what he did and also use your story to impact other people and help right. them. Yeah. Um, for me, the positions once it stands out. So yeah. when we bought our house a um, long time ago, uh, I wanted to live in a certain area and we could not afford that certain area. <laughs> okay. And so we ended up um, looking in other places and I was disappointed. And the neighborhood that we ended up in, it was not one of my top neighborhoods. And, um, but, we did feel as if God had, like he had organized a couple of things that we, we just knew this is where he wanted us to live, even that's, though it's not where I wanted to live. That's, 
like that's a crazy thing, hey? It it happens though. How do you how do you how do you explain that feeling? I I don't know. Like I know I'm dis- disrupting you. No, story. it's good, but like sometimes it is he's just shutting doors like Mm. other doors that should have been opened are shut and you're like i don't understand what is going on because i i'm serving you i love you i i use my time for you like i don't know why you are not blessing my life in this specific way that i have asked you to after i've done all these things over and over again over and over again Yeah, yeah i've been faithful you're not being faithful and sometimes we're so quick to think he's not being faithful, right? As opposed to just giving us what we actually need, what, not what we're asking. But anyways, we end up in this neighborhood and um, it's just been incredible. It's been an incredible opportunity where God has just lined up people. And I'm sure it would have happened in other neighborhoods. I know it would because I, I'm not of the belief that you have to live in this specific place or take this specific career or marry this specific person in Ooh, order to follow God's will. The will of God. We we might get to it. <laughs> I don't believe okay. that. I think okay, I go he, back to that he gives us opportunity, but he gave us an opportunity to to live in this neighborhood. We We took this opportunity and he has allowed us to be able to connect with our neighbors in a way that I find it hard to believe if we would in other neighborhoods for the sole reason that we live on the park. So our house backs onto the park. Um, I okay. didn't want this house, um, but we just we just felt like this was the one that God was asking us to take, and we took it. And now to this day, my my fence lines up with kids all the time. We have constant neighbors in our backyard because they're in the park. There's just been incredible opportunity for us That's to really share cool. Jesus and be Jesus within our neighborhood. So positions you, like I think that's what he did for us. He positioned us to be used by him. And we could have said no. And I could have lived somewhere else. And I'm sure he would have given me forced other opportunities. It. He could have forced it to happen. But this was a window of opportunity right. that he opened and we took. That's that's really cool. And and uh I mean, it's still it's still a sacrifice for you to even do some of that. Like are are you Yeah. Are you an extrovert? Such an interesting question. So do you think I'm an extrovert? I would. I know you too well. Okay, yeah. yeah. Most people think I'm an extrovert. Yeah. Uh, I'm a. I present as an extrovert. I'm an yeah. introvert. Right. So I need a lot of time by myself to refuel, and if I don't have that time, I can feel it really, really fast. Right. Uh, so. So I, I could see that even having kids lining up on your fence. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, and then to be honest, now there's practical things too. Like it's a townhouse. We have three kids. It's small. <laughs> We are like, oh, God, this house is too small for us. Right, right. But there's sometimes we balance things when we're followers of Jesus, right? Like, I want this, but you're using me here. I have, I have to have an extra budget in my uh, my, my groceries for, for popsicles. I was <laughs> Honestly, we are the popsicle house. The kids line up. My kids aren't even home. They're knocking on my door. Can we have a popsicle? That's so cool. Kids are the best. How do they do that? Oh my know. goodness. Okay. Know. Sorry, we're way off topic now. No, that's but, but that is what happens when you let the Holy Spirit lead your it's, life. It's not a, it's what I was what I was bugging you about all that stuff to say, it it doesn't finish mm-hmm. at some point. You don't arrive no. at the like the one decision, the the bed bugs and car crashes lead you to new challenges. He prepares you for them using those moments. But it it, it is uh Almost like these things are ongoing. Yes. This isn't a step one, step two, no. step three, step four. No, he does four. all of these things all the time, every day of my life, if I let him. Yeah. And I've heard this before. I'm interested in your take on it. Um, we can think about it. But um, like the Holy Spirit's primary role is to reveal Jesus. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that phrase? Have you? 
it's it's a great phrase. I think the Holy Spirit has a lot of roles in our life. Mm-hmm. I, I I find it hard to break to it, down it down to, to yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus came to die on the cross. Yes, that's true. That right. that he is the savior of the that's world. Good. That is his purpose. But Jesus has given us a roadmap to live. He modeled it for us. He he gave us grace when we didn't deserve right. it. He was there at the, at the creation with the Father. Like I find it hard to boil down things sure. when the Holy Spirit. So yes, the Holy Spirit. The Bible says He does reveal Jesus to us and He helps us. He, but I think it's just as important that He sanctifies our life so that we are more like Jesus. Without that, right? Well, thankfully He revealed Jesus to us, but I don't look yeah. like Jesus, right? So I don't know. The reason why I was asking this was because I see so much of that in each of these. Yeah, where. Uh, he reveals Jesus in us by sanctifying, getting rid of the junk that we don't need. He he reveals Jesus to others. Yes. You know what I mean? Like I see where you're going, you know and I, I mean? agree. Yeah. Uh, and I I sound like I've done deep study on I don't even know the the fancy like word for studying the, the Holy Spirit. It, it's uh, pneumatology. I think it's uh, Doctor Pneum- Van Johnson. That would be the word. <laughs> it, I just it is pneumatology. It is pneumatology. I took one course with Van and. That was in there. So, okay. Um, but I, you know what I mean? Like, yes. there's something. Where, and the only reason I brought this up, Jessica, is for people who are following Jesus, I think the mystical, we need to have some filters where we can say, is this the Holy Spirit? How do I discern it's the Holy Spirit's voice? Yeah. And I think even through this whole list that you have here, um, it, you can hear when the voice of God is speaking to you because it sounds like God. It sounds like him. If it's revealing, if it it's lines up you, with scripture. If, if it's if it lines up with scripture, who Jesus if, was, yeah. it looks like him. It sounds like him. We and we've I think we've said this. If it wasn't on the podcast, it was definitely in a weekend where like um, the primary way, ways that God speaks is in like and the Holy Spirit even speaks to us is through the Word of God, mm-hmm. the the Scripture, through community, discerning yep. together the voice of God, and then. The third and least frequently would be the in the moments where he drops something in your heart or like even yes. this this whole series we've talked about those crazy moments, but you can't live between those crazy moments to crazy moment where you feel the audible voice of God or you feel a real deep prompting. Like you need the that those are the the extreme cases for the extreme circumstances. This is where he lives in the everyday. Right, right, exactly. And so to know his voice, which is still small voice often we say yeah. uh to know it's a voice that reveals Jesus might be a good filter yeah absolutely i love the filter that if the holy spirit hates the people that you do that's probably not the holy spirit right right like if wow <laughs> if he's confirming the biases that i currently hold that's probably not the holy spirit wow if he if jesus loves all people jesus you know what I mean. Totally. I'm just like my brain. We I'm can like, continue. But that goes into to so many different directions. <laughs> okay. You mentioned the will of God. Uh, this is another Christian. Oh, follow the will of God for your life. Pray for the will of God. Seek it. I've heard that over and over so growing wh- up. What's the will of God for your life, Jessica? <laughs> you know, I think will of God translates to obedience. Huh. God just wants us to obey him. Like even from the beginning of time when he called the people to him, the Israelite people, he said, I'm going to be your God. You be my people. You All you have to do is follow me, love me, worship me, and I'm going to provide everything that you need. All you have to do is obey. That's the will of God, I think. When we, we're willing to obey him and line our lives up with him, that's the will of God. And that's the narrative, the meta narrative, right? Yeah. Is that humanity 
has time and time again chosen to decide for themselves what is right and wrong. And that is where we fall away and mess up and create the distance between God and and each other. Absolutely. So the will of God is that the, you know, the phrase, uh, the parts of the Bible I don't understand aren't as troubling to me as the parts I already do understand and don't obey. Yeah. Is that that concept? Yes, that is the concept right there. That if we understand what God has asked us to do and we're not doing it, then that's the issue. It's not all those other areas that we don't fully understand and we're we're trying to wrestle. It's it's the areas that the Holy Spirit has revealed to me. And this is the thing, Matt. He's going to reveal different things to you that you need to work on than areas that I need to work on in this season. And he's not going to dump it all. He's not going to say every area of your life, Jessica, has to line up with, <laughs> with who Jesus is or like you're doomed. No, he <laughs> works on certain areas because that's that's what we can handle. So he might right. be working on a different area of me than you. It's very easy to me to look at you and be like, well, I'm working on this area and you certainly don't have that in line. No, no, the Holy Spirit's probably working on an area with you. It's up to you to be obedient to what he's saying to you. We 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 uh, have this tendency of looking over our shoulder a lot, eh? Where we look at other people and how yeah. they're living and we... The Holy Spirit's not doing much to you, is he? <laughs> what's the what's that verse about pulling a log out of somebody yes. else's eye? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, before you take the speck yeah. out of someone else's eye, yeah. Get the log out of yours. Totally. That's that is such a big part of it. Um, now I I know this is something this podcast is as a part of doing is just providing some stuff conversations that we hope will actually help you think and and. Um, consider how you live like Jesus. And by you, I mean all of us. Us. Um, what would what would be the, the kind of the primary f- steps to take if we wanted to really try and, and a- act this out? If we really mm-hmm. want to take this to the position and, and leverage this, the, whether it's the will of God or listening to the Holy Spirit, yeah. um, or if, you, if there's a way that you've seen it in your life recently, I'm not sure if either would would come to you off the top of your head? I think it goes back to that whole, and if you watch the teaching, I talked about how um, I, we have keys of the church that we get yes. into out of building, out, yeah. out of rooms, and there's two different options you can use. There's one that is like a literal key. It gets you into some doors, um, like certain doors that you need to get into, but there's also a key fob, and the key fob gets you into every door. Uh, and it's really easy to move about the building. When you have a key fob, you click, you open a door, you shut the door, you go into the next um, I think it boils down to that concept, but the idea that the Holy Spirit, we either hand him over a key and he gets certain doors in our lives. So maybe you might get my career door or you can have my marriage or you might have, uh, tell me where to live and I'll live there. Or you might have um, th- my character or maybe mm-hmm. the self-control door. Okay, you can work on that, God. But but you're not going to get the key fob of my life. You're not going to go into any door that you want. And if you want to head into my my relationships, well, that door is not open to you, but right. you can talk to me about my career. I think it's this idea of just saying, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do in my life? And when he calls you to obedience in a certain area, then it's that idea of he's revealed something to you. I need to obey. We're trying to teach our kids to listen to the Holy Spirit. And when he says something to us, we need to obey him. We need to be willing to yield, not my way, but your way. And so if you've asked this of me or you've said, hey, Jessica, this is an area in your life that you were not aligned with me, uh, maybe you need to work on this area, mm. being willing to put some time and effort and recognizing that I'm not perfect in this area. I need to work on it. I've, I've found the times where I was obedient to that voice 
gave me a greater insight or even awareness to hear his voice yes. later. And the times where I've ignored that voice, I've almost turned down the volume on it. Quieter and quieter till you don't don't hear him anymore. Isn't that like like such a awful thought to, Terrifying. to hit mute on God and not be able to hear his his voice? I've seen people in my life go through that. Have you seen people in your life like I've seen both sides where somebody decides Absolutely. they're going to invite God into a certain area and he just keeps working on them to a point that the next year I don't even Absolutely. recognize them. They're a different person. And the other way too, where they just start shutting doors and saying, you're not working on this area. And they just kind of walk away from following Jesus. And it, it yeah. didn't happen overnight. It just slowly. Absolutely. I've, I, I found it in my own, li- own life too, especially yeah. um, the areas I surrender. Almost, I feel like, a year later, I feel like I'm probably presenting very similar on the outside. But something different has happened in me. And maybe areas where I was trying to do the right thing and forcing it, I love doing the right thing now. Do you know what I mean? I totally know what you mean. Uh, where areas where it was a sacrifice to do the right thing, now it becomes a joy to do it. And that, to me, feels like a greater win mm-hmm. than just doing the right thing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's to love it. Absolutely, because that's that's what it boils down to. God wants a relationship with us where we're obedient, not because we're following rules and check, 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 but because we love him so much and trust him so much that yeah. it's very easy for us to to let him lead our lives. Yeah. Okay. Uh, last question. Yeah, okay. Um, where Where in your life are you listening to the Holy Spirit Ooh. right now? Or maybe recently. An area yeah. where, where uh, maybe maybe if it's too fresh, you might be right in the middle of it. But an area where you feel felt like there was a voice of God mm. calling you to something, asking you to participate in something or to step away from something, leaning into things. Yeah, that's good. I, there- yeah, I'll share one with you. So um, we have three kids. Yeah, and so I've been observing maybe the last year, last two years, that there seems to be something happening within. Uh, within society, within Mm. both Christian circles, followers of Jesus, and uh, where um, there's this fear-based parenting happening where Mm. we um, are very nervous about everything going on. And there is reason to be nervous. We live in a world that is broken. And the Bible tells us that as we approach the days in which this world will end and Jesus will come back, um, that things are going to get worse and worse. So don't hear me when I say that. We live in in a world that is that you should be nervous about. But I do think that there is this tendency in society to be very nervous about how we're raising our children um, to the point that we're making them fearful and scared mm. of of everything and anything. I see this a lot in, in church circles. Where, you think that's part of the anxiety thing that's happening right now? Like so much anxiety? <laughs> we hear it a lot, don't we? Yeah. And I, I know there's a medical side of anxiety, and I've experienced the medical side of anxiety. Yeah, but okay. I do think that sometimes we don't help kids by constantly creating fear where there doesn't need to be fear. Yeah, yeah. Or um, this idea that, like, I want to raise courageous children who are bold and want to follow Jesus and will take risks when it comes to following Jesus and who will... um, I don't want to raise kids who are fearful and nervous and don't do anything with their lives because Mm. everything is scary and nervous. So um, to answer your question, this is an area that, that God has been speaking to me to, that my kids are actually his kids right. and I've been entrusted to raise them, mm. but it's not, 
it is not my decision on how I raise them and who they become. They're God's kids. He has plans for their lives. I'm called to steward. And so I don't want to raise kids that are, are terrified of everything and nervous of everything. That idea that I want to raise kids who are in the world and not of the world, but I certainly want them to be able to live within the world and interact in the world and be Jesus in the world so that other people might recognize that there's something different about their lives. So that's kind of a, maybe an observation I've been making is that there, seem, there tends to be, and I've li- I'm putting myself in this, there tends to be parents who um, are scared of things that are happening, but it goes beyond a healthy fear and we just almost numb we numb ourselves and shut down and, and don't engage with whatever it is, whether it's the world or whether it's just we don't want our kids to be fearful. Close ourselves off so we don't have to deal with it. Absolutely. And we're raising kids that that are going to struggle in that area. I don't want my kids to struggle in that area. I want mm-hmm. them to chase after Jesus. And so I want to be yielded in that. And I can feel the Holy Spirit calling me as a parent to yield control of my kids and let him lead them. Um, while I parent them alongside of him, that partnership again. Yeah. He's positioned me to be their parent, and so I, I need to steward that well. That's really good. You, what about you? Yeah, I think if I'm, if I'm, this one's probably the most clear and easy for me to say. It's going back a few years. It's still work in progress, but I remember going through a season where I realized that um, I was for for the uh, the I justified that I worked hard at a church doing good things and I was an introvert. And so uh, I, I wrote myself out of the script of being a, a, someone who was worth living next to, being a good neighbor. And Because that was enough because you worked at a church? I worked at okay. a church. I did good things. Yeah. And I, hey, I could have worked for a bank and I could have said, I'm giving money to a church. But look at you, sacrificing yeah. and okay. Yeah. yeah. I could have been anything, but I was excusing my or abdicating my responsibility to mm-hmm. be a good neighbor. Mm. And I felt like in that season, the Holy Spirit put his finger on that and just like there was a weight on that for me. And uh, um, my wife is just a natural extrovert and I, I have learned a lot from her. But I would also just let her do her thing and be like, oh, she's talking to the neighbor and I would just walk in the house. Um, and I have, I have really tried and I still have so much work to do because it's not natural for my yeah. wiring. And it is can be, it can be tiring to be interested in other people that have nothing to offer me. And even saying, even saying it that way really uh, exposes some of how I felt the Holy Spirit was revealing yeah. <laughs> my brokenness is that I was interested in relationships that benefited me only. Um, and uh, so that is something that I continue to work on. Uh, and in the most mundane ways, mm. waving at my neighbor. Uh, when my neighbor, I think they're looking at me, I stop. Literally yesterday, I felt eyes on me and I stopped <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm going to engage in this conversation. And it hasn't always been an easy conversation with this mm-hmm. person. And it turned around and I had a conversation with them and it went pretty well. And th- I saw them light up a little bit that I cared mm-hmm. about them. And I was just like kicking myself after that I would be avoiding that conversation. I love that. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, totally. Do you feel, I? the Holy Spirit often speaks to me when I see my neighbors go over there, go talk to them. And I'm like, no, I'm very busy. Yeah, you you mentioned it at the podcast. Does the Holy Spirit speak to you in moments like that? Or do you, or do you, how does that feel when you know you're just supposed to be a great neighbor and be open? How does that feel to you when you, that's something he's niggling on you? 
uh, I don't know how to put it into words because it's such a feel thing, right? Um, but I can't. I can honestly say it almost feels like there's an invisible string mm. pulling me towards something, and I can snap the string and pull it off and go away, or I can let it pull me. And usually, if if I'm honest, especially in this whole area, it's the compassion of Christ I'm feeling at its best, mm. where I'm feeling Jesus loves this person. That's what calls me to that moment and makes me rise to the occasion, makes me want to care. Yeah. Whereas if if I'm if I'm that that's probably I can feel that that's like it's oh it's such a uh. Uh, you know what you, you know the feeling when you're with someone who really has cares about you yeah. and really has compassion for you i feel like that's happening right beside me do you know what i mean like it's not in me it's yeah. it's this other thing and i feel it's like right here and that's that string that's pulling me it's like there there's compassion happening mm-hmm. right here and i'm going to miss out on it if i don't turn around and be part of this moment i don't know it's so <laughs> it feels similar to me and okay. it's just very interesting that okay. that's I just love how the Holy Spirit he, he positions you and it's again, all of this right and, and reveals Jesus like yeah. in that moment I am sensing Christ cares about that person so much sure they're broken sure they're different than me but he cares about them so much and when I even as I think about it now I feel that like like warm fire feeling yeah and you know what matt as you're talking it's so hard to express it just reminds me of like you said uh being able to talk to people that can't offer anything to us and this idea of this is how god feels towards us (laughs) right like he does not need to bend towards us he doesn't need anything from us but this is the compassion that he feels towards us and and want so desperately to be in relationship with us, so desperately to work on our lives to make us more like him because he knows it's for our benefit. We you, when you said that that they bring no benefit to your lives, that that literally is us towards him. That's yet so he still good. loves us. Uh, is when we are at our best, when we feel the most alive and the most significant in a good way. That's a, that's the image of God in us, right? Yeah. We're we're imaging Him well in those moments. Absolutely. Well, that's a really good place to end. It's a good conversation. Uh, what a great way to end our whole our whole um, se- season two. This these these conversations have been really good. Mm-hmm. Thank you for being here, Jessica. Thanks for having me. And uh, thank you for everyone for showing up, being a part of this. I, I'm curious what you think. What 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 are some of the things that that stood out to you? What's going on in your heart? You, we've got, we've got. If you're watching on YouTube, you can share in the comments below. If you're watching or listening on a podcast, go to the show notes. We've got a link there. Click in and share what, how, mm-hmm. how this conversation is is connecting to you. Uh, if you have any questions, let us know. We would love to to contribute your your contribution to this conversation as we as we continue to lean into this. Speaking of continuing. September. Come on. We're going into season three of the Follow Podcast. What? And we've mentioned many times this is uh this is coming out of the work that God is doing at One Church TO. And this Follow Podcast uh, uh is birthed out of that that environment. 
And so in the fall, we're going to talk about our mission statement and why it matters to us, which is to know God, love people, and impact our city. And so we're going to have three different conversations, one about knowing God, one about loving people, and one about impacting our city. And I'm already very excited about this. It's going to be good. So we hope that you'll join us in September. Until then, you've got our weekend teaching and gatherings and tons of content that we're going to be a part of. Be a part of this community as best you can. And uh, we, we love you and thank you for being here with us. That's a wrap for season two. We'll see you all in season three. Happy summer. Happy summer.